Sherm Chester along with Roger Brown on this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum podcast. And Roger from the Union Leader and uh, also New Hampshire Hardball. We'll talk about baseball here towards the end of the program. Also, NewHampshireFootballReport.com. Don't want to forget that website as well. Uh, we got some news there we'll bring up during the show. But let's start off with the topic of March Madness, since we are into the tourney now. Now, we just finished the state tourney, the NHIA basketball champions for uh, Division One and Division Two were decided uh, this past weekend at Lundholm Gymnasium at UNH. And I, I thought we saw four great basketball games. So before we get to college, let's talk about those games. Uh, starting off with, I thought, the 10 o'clock game, Pembroke and Pelham, uh, the boys' D2 game, that was, that was a, a good contest to start the day off with. D2, I knew, was going to be extremely competitive in the tournament. And, uh, you know, Pembroke's a good basketball school, obviously. And, and Pelham's got a – they seem to have an outstanding crop of athletes moving through the, the school right now. Well, Pelham was the number five seed going into the final game, uh, Pembroke number two. And it was a back-and-forth contest. And, and, and uh, to me, for <laughs> – Guys having to play basketball at 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, they, they were tuned up and ready to go, both teams. And uh, Pelham came out on top, the number five seed, beat number two Pembroke. Uh, final, there was 57-54. Again, it was a good way to start the day. Uh, as I said, you know, this this is it. This is how we wanted to kick off four games of basketball, especially those of us that had to be there all day long. You want to start it with a bang and, and keep the momentum going. So let's roll to the D2 girls game. That was in the afternoon. It was number one, Bo, taking on number two, Kennett. Uh, that one went right down, literally to the buzzer. Uh, the Kennett team coming up with the win. They were number two seed going into it, taking out Bo 38-37. Give me your impression of that game, and in particular, the ending of that contest. A lot to talk about in that one, Sherm. Um, uh, there's my bird. First off, I think it was Kaylee McClellan was her name. Kenneth girl who hit two free throws with no time on the clock. Got to give her a ton of credit. And there she is at the free throw line with nobody around her. Game on the line, and she looked completely composed and calm. Like she was going to put those in, no problem. Bo like looked like the more talented team. They just didn't play very well. You know, their one of their leading scorers was held scoreless in the game, and they gave Kennan a chance to win it. And three point shooting, I think, kept Kennan in it. And you know, you let a team stick around, and you know, give them a chance at the end, and and Kennan took advantage of it. Thing I wasn't too clear on, and I'm not a basketball official, but I don't know how you get fouled with no time on the clock. Well, that was that was the thing I was going to bring up. <clears throat> The Exeter Bluehawks, as we spoke in, in our last show, they were knocked out. The, the girls' team was knocked out of the playoffs uh, on what a lot of people were upset about, a controversial call at the end of the game. Now, we spoke to Sam Bruno, who was at the game. He said it was a legitimate call. However, it was right at the buzzer that the foul occurred. <laughs> and it was an official by the name of Larry Frizzell who was, you know, called that one in Exeter versus Memorial. And guess what? It was Larry Frizzell who called that last second buzzer buzzer beater of a call. Uh, now, did you get? Did you talk to anybody uh, to find out what that call was? Was it a block? You had called on that. The bow coach told me he thought it was a block, but uh, they called a shooting foul, obviously, because she was shooting. Yeah. Um, and I personally didn't see it. I was screened by the most of the players on the court from from my seat. I give the official credit for calling, you know, 
if, if it's a foul, it's a foul, you know, at the end of the game. You don't want to shortchange the team that gets fouled either. Right. I just Again, I'm just not a, not a big deal. I'm not questioning anything, but I don't know how you – how is there no time on the clock? It seems like there had to be yeah. point something on the clock, right, for it to be a foul. Otherwise, didn't she shoot it after the final buzzer? Or maybe she shot it and then got fouled. I, I, maybe that's in the act of shooting. That was just one interesting thing that got brought up at the end of the game about that call. Not the way that the bow team was hoping to lose by. Uh, I know they were in total shock uh, at the end of the game assuming there might be some time put back on the clock and there wasn't. So well, at first they rushed the court thinking it was over. I know there was both yeah. players on the court from the bench, but uh, I mean, my number one takeaway though, was just how McClellan just knocked down those two free throws. They were down one. She made both. I think she could have made 10 in a row. If she had to, mm-hmm. I guess the coach asked her, uh, you know, do you want me to call a timeout so you can get composed? And she said, Nope, I just want to go shoot. <laughs> she did, You know, and uh, her body language, I mean, I had no doubt after she made the first one that she was going to sink the second one. I mean, she just she just oozed confidence. Again, it was his judgment. I said last time we, we were talking about the uh, deal with Exeter in the Memorial game. Um, you know, it's a judgment call. It's a hard it's it's a hard position to be put in, but you see what you see and you call what you call and sure. and, you, and the teams have to live with it. And, and uh, I know the fans, obviously, in Exeter uh, and also with Bo are not going to be uh, too happy with the, uh, the referee in the future. But you know what? He, he did what he had to do and he did it. And that's the way it broke. Now we get into the D1 games, the D1 contest, the girls. Um, Bishop Girton uh, was the favorite going into that. And uh, talk about that game for us for a second. Well, I feel like when BG and Bedford play, you know, it's it's the same game over and over being rewound. I've seen the last three matchups between them. Last year's championship game that BG won and then the regular season game. And they all seem to, to follow the same pattern to me, Sherman, which is BG doesn't play great for, you know, the better part of three quarters and then they just pour it on late and, and win against Bedford, you know. And um, I think Sunday might have been their worst performance through three quarters of any of those three games. They didn't make a three-pointer in the whole game. They were losing by 10 going into the fourth quarter. I think they had 28 points at that point and just roared back. And, and you were wondering, where was this team for the first three quarters? The final there was 51-45. Bishop Girton, the number one seed, taking out Bedford Bedford fans were anticipating a, a doubleheader because both the boys and the girls were involved in the championship game. So the girls came close, but not quite uh, far enough. Now the boys had their turn uh, against the Pinkerton Astros in the nightcap, and uh, it was quite a contest. And uh, talk about that one. I, I think Bedford was the best team all year. They proved it. They were deepest, the deepest team that I saw, and they just – I mean, they did a lot of things well, but they had so many scorers um, that they were just tough to defend, and I think that's what it came down to. I thought Pickerton played well. They were in position to win for most of the game, but it was that you know Luke Soden and Aiden O'Connell, their uh, two best players from Bedford, especially O'Connell in the tournament. He was terrific in the fourth quarter. They just kind of took charge in the last eight minutes. I do think Pickerton was a terrific team. But uh, I do think the best team won. You know, Jackson Marshall, the 6'7 
uh, kid for Pinkerton. He'll be back next year. He'll be a factor. Uh, Jackson Marshall will definitely be a factor next season for Pinkerton. And, uh, you know, does Bedford have any returning players next year? Soden's back. They're leading scorer. Uh, they lose Aiden O'Connell, but yeah, they're going to have a good returning cast and, you know, it should be a good year next year. You know, uh, Tyler bike from Trinity recently got Gatorade player of the year and he's back as well next year. Uh, you know, I'm assuming he'll stay at Trinity. So there should be some good talent in the state next season. Yeah. I, I thought we had four really great games, uh, contested games that's what you want to see you want to see yeah oh they were all good yeah no question and and a, and a one and a two in that in that boys championship game uh and bedford again coming out on top 66 56 the final score and uh congratulations to the bulldogs any of these teams that i saw play they played their hearts out nobody nobody has to hang their heads you know no and, and you know what my one of my uh takeaways is you know there's a kids are shooting three pointers these days left and right you know right but um, in the girls' games in particular, it showed how important free throws are. You know, right. Kennett won it on free throws. Right. And, you know, I don't know what Bedford's numbers were from the free throw line, but they were not good. Uh, you know, and BG's, BG's uh, percentage from the free throw line was good, and that's really where they won the game. So, you know, moral of the story is uh, work on your free throw shooting. All right, moving on from the NHIAA championships and – March Madness on the schoolboy schoolgirl side. Let's go to the bigger kids. So let's go down the brackets. Um, let's start off in the South. You got Alabama versus uh, Texas A and M Corpus Christi. Who are you picking in that one? Oh God, Alabama. Yeah, I was say, we agree on that one. How about Maryland versus West Virginia? Eight versus nine. I have West Virginia, Sharon. I agree with you there. Uh, you see, San Diego State University versus Charleston. That's a five versus a 12. San Diego State. All right. Virginia versus Furman. And that's a four versus a 13. Virginia. And go to six versus 11. That's Creighton versus uh, North Carolina State. Creighton. And I'm going to play it safe there, too. Baylor, number three, is uh, taking on number 14. University of California, Santa Barbara. Baylor. Okay, same there. Missouri versus Utah State, a 7 and 10. Missouri. Okay, and uh, wrapping up that end of the bracket in the south, it's number two, Arizona versus number 15, Princeton. Is he upset there, you think? No, Arizona. <laughs> I agree with you. Arizona on that one, too. All right, it's... Um, Let's move on to the, the East bracket. Let's uh, get that in front of you. Number one, Purdue taking on Fairleigh Dickinson, and uh, that's a number 16 seed. Yeah, I got I got Purdue in that one, Sherm. Yeah, I have Purdue on that one. Uh, eight versus nine, Memphis and Florida Atlantic. Uh, I'm going with Florida Atlantic. Ooh, okay, that's where we disagree. First disagreement between us. How about five versus 12? That's Duke versus Oral Roberts. Taking Duke. Okay, agree there. Four versus 13, Tennessee versus Louisiana. Uh, going with Tennessee. Agreed there. Number six, Kentucky takes on Providence. Um, what do you think Kentucky. there? You know what? I just, I, I, I picked him, but my, I'd really like to see Providence pull an upset of that one. <laughs> yeah, they just played poor, so, so poorly down the stretch. 
Uh, you got Kansas uh, State. That's number three versus uh, Montana State, number 14. Yeah, Kansas State. Okay, State there for me. This is my perennial pick. Uh, seven, Michigan State taking on number 10, USC. I got USC. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go with my you know, my perennial pick, Michigan State. I love and die by those guys. I don't know why. Uh, number two, Marquette is, and this is another one people are talking about, number 15, Vermont. I'm taking Marquette there, sure. Yeah, I don't see uh, Vermont Catamounts making a upset there. Houston, number one. This is, uh, oh, I'm over in the Midwest now, Midwest bracket. Number one, Houston taking on 16, North Kentucky, Northern Kentucky. Yeah, I got Houston there, Sherm. I agree with you there. And Iowa, number eight, taking on number nine, Auburn. Uh, I went with I Iowa in that one. That was a tough call, but going with Iowa. I agree there. Miami, Florida, taking on number 12, Drake. Number five versus a 12. Uh, I got an upset. I, I went with Drake. You know, I'd like to see that happen. I went uh, with Miami, but I, I'd like to see, that would be one of those ones I'd like to see get get further down the road. Number four, Indiana, taking on 13, Kent State. I have Indiana. I picked Indiana, too, but there again, I'd like to see an upset there. <laughs> it's funny how I pick both ways. I mean, my heart goes one way, my head says go the other way. Number oh God, six, yeah, I root for every upset there is, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and, and it makes it more fun, obviously. Number six, Iowa State uh, versus number 11, Pitt. Uh, Iowa State. Yeah, same here. Uh, let's see, number three, Xavier going up against Kennesaw State. That's a three versus a 14. Yeah, I took Xavier. I'm here. A yeah, A&M, uh, Texas A&M, number seven, going up against Penn State, number 10. Well, when I filled out my bracket here, my, I penciled in Texas A&M, so I got to stick with them. But if I had to pick again today, I would go with Penn State. So put me down for Texas A&M uh, reluctantly. Yeah, same here. I went with Texas, but there again, you're right. I, those are those are the type of games you say. Yeah, if it swings the other way, it won't it won't bother me any. Uh, it's just in the tournament, you get those three point shooting teams that get hot, and that's Penn State. You know, they they bomb away from outside. So number two, Texas going up against fifteen Colgate. Yep, took Texas in that one. No surprise. It uh, looks like uh, the way we got our bracket set up there for the second round, it would be uh, all Texas A&M versus uh, Longhorns. So we'll see what, ha what happens there. Let's move on, though, to the West for the final bracket. Number one, Kansas, taking on number 16, Howard. I have Kansas, sure. No surprise. Uh, no surprise there. That would be a real big upset if that happened. Uh, number eight, Arkansas versus number nine, Illinois. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Illinois. You know, that was a tough – one of the tougher ones to pick. Uh, you know, Arkansas is probably the more talented team, but I'm, I'm going to stick with Illinois. You know something? I went with you on that one, so we agree on that one. St. Mary's is the number five. They go up against VCU, number 12. I picked St. Mary's, but I think VCU is one of the better, uh, more likely teams to pull off an upset in the first round. So that could be a – that could yeah. be one I regret. <laughs> nah, I'm with you on St. Mary's, but you're right. It could. That's what makes it all fun. Number four, Connecticut, taking on number 13, Iona. Yep, I'm going with UConn. Yeah, same here. Number six, TCU, taking on number 11, Arizona State. And your pick on that one? Taking TCU. 
I agree with you there. Number three, Gonzaga, the Zags against number 14, Grand Canyons. <laughs> Grand Canyons actually very good. I've seen them play, but uh, Gonzaga's just playing so well at the end of the year. Got to go with them. Zags on that one for me. And number seven, Northwestern uh, against number 10, Boise State. Uh, Northwestern, you know, another tough call. Close game, probably. I agree. And then finally in that bracket, wrapping it up, UCLA taking on number 15, North Carolina, Asheville. Got to go with UCLA there, sure. Oh, with the Bruins? Okay. The 18th through the 19th or when the second round uh, happens here, the quarterfinals. Um, Well, I'll tell you what, while I got you, while I got you here, just in case we can't get together next week, let's break it down. So if you had Kansas and and Illinois, we both agreed on that one. Who are you picking on that one? Where are we now, Sherm? Oh, I got Kansas winning that one. Round of 32. Yeah, in the round of 32, Kansas versus Illinois. And you're Kansas. Kansas? We both agreed it would be that matchup. St. Mary's versus Connecticut. Uh, I got UConn. Okay, same here. How about TCU Gonzaga? I have Gonzaga. And wrapping up, same here, and then wrapping up Northwestern UCLA. UCLA. That's the round of 32 in the West. Let's go to the Midwest, round of 32, Houston, Iowa. Uh, Houston. All right, same here. Indiana, Miami. Well, I have it as Drake. Well, that's right. You're Drake. I'm sorry. You're Drake. Okay, Drake, Miami. Uh, but I I do have Indiana advancing. Although, again, I think Drake might squeeze through in that one as well. But I'll go with Indiana. All right. Sit so here. I got, I got Indiana in that one. Iowa State taking on Xavier in the round of 32. Uh, I have Xavier. That should be a good game. And I think that's where it ends for the Cyclones as well. So I can go with Xavier. And then finally, Texas A&M, Texas, a big Texas matchup. I got Texas. Uh, Agrees. So, so far we're on the same page. Uh, Round of 32, this is in the East, Purdue, Memphis. I don't have either of them. I have Florida Atlantic advancing. Oh, that's right. You, 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 yeah, you went on the wild side. Didn't, didn't you pick Purdue though? Yeah. Yep. I picked Purdue. Yep. Yeah, Purdue and Florida Atlantic. Okay, so you had Florida Atlantic. Okay, so where, where are you going on that one? I have Florida Atlantic. Really? You're going to ride that one, huh? This, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to obviously pick the Purdue Boilermakers in that one. Duke versus Tennessee. Uh, Duke. Right, same here. Kentucky, Kansas State. Uh, I took Kentucky one more time. I'm going to change. I'm going to go. Dangerous. Not a good I'm, coach, but. And I'm going to go with Kansas State. I, I think that's where I want to see Kentucky end their run. And then this is where I go off the rails. <laughs> Number seven, Michigan State going up against Marquette. Well, what if I have USC? Oh, you had USC in that one. That's right. That's where we start to veer off. Okay. I'm going with Marquette either way, no okay. matter who they play. Oh, that's, that's the same thing. That's where I, I picked Michigan State. And so I, that's where I, I, I agree with you on that one. And, uh, that's the round of 32 for the East. Let's go wrap up the round of 32 in the South. We got Alabama, West Virginia. I have Alabama winning that one. All right. How about SDSU versus Virginia? Uh, San Diego State. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with Virginia in that one. I'm going to I'm going to go with the Cavaliers. How about Creighton and Baylor? I have Baylor. All right, and then same here, and then finally, uh, Missouri Arizona is what I've got. Uh, I took Arizona. All right, same here. So, yeah, I, I think with a, both in one exception or maybe two, uh, we were in agreement on this. So again. We'll hold it at the round of 32. Hopefully we get Sam Bruno in our next show. Uh, he's hermetically sealed his picks and we'll uh, compare notes, see where we stand uh, going into. Yeah, hopefully we have some teams left by then, right? Well, I was going to say, we'll see what's left of the sweet 16. <laughs> and, and I hope it's, I just hope some, you know, solid basketball, uh, uh, you know, no, no fluky plays or anything that throws a, throws a curveball. just some good solid basketball. That's all you're asking for, for the next few days. So. All right. So here's a bet I have to make today. Sure. The, the, the final four teams, I wish Sam were here. Cause I would ask him this. If you add up their seeds Ooh. over or under 13 and a half, I picked under under. Because I think there's going to be a couple, one or two seeds there getting in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as I, long yeah. as I can avoid like a seven or an eight seed, I'll be good. But that's, you never yeah. know. Yeah, I think I'll go with you on that one. I From what I've, you know, my picks, I, I put a couple of wild ones in there. Like, you know, uh, again, Michigan State and a few others that probably won't go far. But I didn't, I didn't go out on a limb. <laughs> I didn't pick Vermont to pull the ultimate upset. Or Farley Dickinson there, and so so I, I I think I think you and I are pretty safe there. Uh, big news at UNH as far as college basketball was concerned this uh, this week. Uh, Bill Harrion, who had been at the helm of the program, the men's program for eighteen seasons, uh, basically was told he wasn't going to have his contract renewed uh, by the director of athletics. I, I, it caught me by surprise a little bit. Um... Just because by UNH standards, uh, they didn't have a bad season. You know, he lost 10 players from last year and still made it to the conference semifinals, which, you know, that's as far as UNH has ever gone. They've never made it to their championship game. You know, it's not a school that's had any sort of success at all in basketball. Um, and I, I assume he's fairly close to retiring. I can't say that for sure. I haven't spoken with him yet, but – for those reasons, I, I guess I was taken aback. Uh, you know, maybe the AD has somebody in mind, to, but um, if not, you know, I don't know who you're going to get that's better than Bill, really. I guess the question will be, do you, do you anticipate uh, um, a lot of names uh, putting their, their hat in the ring? No. Well, not familiar names anyways. Maybe, you know, people looking for a head job, sure. Facilities aren't great. Pay's not great. No history of winning. You and I have kicked this around in previous programs, and I and I really would like to see it happen. I know they, they look for the best talent they can find to get a team together, whether it's the men's team or the ladies' team. But I really would like to see them. We got some, from what we just saw at UNH for the – NHIAA schoolboy and schoolgirl attorneys. There's some kids out there that have some talent. Um, yeah, they're not they're not superstars, maybe uh, you know, but but they've got talent and and it can be coached up. And I like and I like to see them bring a few of these kids onto the the men's and women's teams at UNH uh, because it just it gives a, a local spin to the team. You know, it gives you some reason to put some more fannies in the seats. You know? 
Well, you know, it takes two to tango, so to speak, Sherman. There's a lot of local kids that just won't go there, you know? Well, true, true. But I think there's a few that would. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being a, a wildcat. That's what I guess my point is. And a few of these kids could really benefit from being homegrown. And, and I think the, the team itself would benefit from having homegrown talent. Yeah, they would. I, you know, I don't see a lot of New Hampshire players that can play Division One basketball. Well, okay. I want to have you answer that question for me. What what is it that, that that is makes the kids that are on the Wildcat team, whether it's the men's or the women's team, a notch above any talent that we got here in the state of New Hampshire, right here in, in our Granite State? Well, just better players, bigger and better players. I don't know anybody in New Hampshire right now that has a D one scholarship offer. You know, maybe Jackson does, at least at the NHIA level. I mean, the prep school is a whole different category. I'm not including them. I just don't understand why that that you can't coach up talent. I mean, you got some kids that have a lot of heart and 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 head when it comes to playing a game, what what whatever sport it is. And those are the kids I'd like to see get their little due on a team and, and representing you know the Grand State right here at UNH. Before we go to the two minute drill, I just wanted to ask you about the websites. You had some news this week. Uh, the Shrine uh, nominees for New Hampshire Football Report dot com. The Shrine team was announced. Uh, any Seacoast kids that we can talk about? There was three Exeter kids I know that were selected. I know Devin Paquette from St. Thomas. I'd have to look at the list to get everybody. I don't want to shortchange anybody. And no one kind of probably had some kids nominated. Be coached by Chris Sanborn uh, up at Plymouth. So um, I'm sure those guys will have a good experience. And uh, again, if the folks want to check out the list of the uh, Shrine candidates, the people will be playing in the Shrine Bowl for the state of New Hampshire, all they have to do is go to NewHampshireFootballReport.com and check out that entire list. The weather that we've had this past week, thanks to a Nor'easter, is that going to set back schedules for the baseball uh, here in the Granite State for the school boys? Uh, you know, I think tryouts are next week for most schools, Sherm, so that's going to be difficult, you know. Yeah. Uh, probably indoor tryouts for a lot of teams. If you're lucky enough to have a turf field and you can use that, you're, you're at a big advantage, but. So. When is the official, when is the official start of the, uh, uh, when they can start practices for the spring sports season, do you know? Uh, I think it's next week. You know, again, tryouts begin next week. So shortly after that, I don't know if that's actually considered practice or, or what it is, but uh, practice is next week. So maybe the week after is the official, excuse me, tryouts are next week. Maybe the week after is the official start of practice. I don't know the date off the top of my head. I hope that uh, for the sake of <laughs> spring sports and the Granite State that we uh, have seen the last of our, our snowstorms for the year. I mean, that was a surprising one we just had and, we're, you know, we've had enough. I think all of us can agree. We can put the snow blowers and the shovels away. I think everybody's just rooting for some good weather and get the get the snow melted and uh, we're ready to move on, you know. Amen to that. So two-minute drill time. What do you got for me? Uh, two things real quick, Sherm. Uh, one is a plug for the uh, New Hampshire Hardball site. Uh, we released a list of the top 50 high school players in the state this week. So for those interested, you can go there. But also on, uh, I just wanted to mention that on April 7th, the Joe Ukika Football Foundation, which does a lot of tremendous work for football in the state of New Hampshire, will be holding their coaches clinic at UNH. And it's, a, it's like $100. Uh, any coaches out there, you can bring your entire staff with you. You get to watch a UNH practice on the field. They feed you. 
Uh, there's probably like six or seven speakers, you know, during the clinic. It's a Friday night over at UNH, so uh, April 7th. Um, and there's also a mandatory uh, rules review with the uh, New Hampshire officials, Football Officials Association. So it's a good uh, good spot to check that off your list since you got to do that anyway. So April 7th at UNH. Okay, it's all one-stop shopping for football coaches. <laughs> I like it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, also, a, it's a great event. It really is, especially for the price. No. And another thing I'll mention that uh, the folks can get the list of those Shrine players uh, on the uh, New Hampshire Football Report.com website as well. The only thing I was going to mention to uh, uh, for the two-minute drill, a couple of things, I, and, and the only uh, negative things I want to say, and I don't like being negative, but it was uh, it came out of what went on um, at our tournament, the NHIA tournament. I was a little upset at the end of the Bedford game uh, against Pinkerton when the, the fans, and they've been told several times during the game to stay off the court because we don't want anybody getting hurt. That's primary concern, safety. And also, you know, it, you got a team that wins and a team that loses. So obviously the team that wins wants to celebrate. And the fans from Bedford rushed onto the court and it kind of took a lot of us by surprise. And uh, this one kid had a banner with a bulldog on it. And he was doing this ninja move right in front of me, kind of taunting the Pinkerton uh, team. And I just took exception to it. And I kind of lost my cool. Um, I, you know, it's it, it just in good sportsmanship. You just, okay. It, yeah. You celebrate and you want to celebrate with your fans. I understand that, but you don't taunt the other side. They feel bad enough. They've lost. Let the let the ceremonies begin, so to speak, where they give out the runner-up trophies, medals, and all that, and then the champions get their due. Um, just I I kind of took exception to it, and I said a couple of things on the PA about you know uh, let's get this thing moving. You know the fans kind of screwed it up, the showing lack of sportsmanship, good sportsmanship. Um, so if anybody takes exception to what I said, uh, that's the way I felt. I just I think that's what they should do is keep the fans in check. Um, and the other, well, I, sure, I, I hey, good sportsmanship. There's no excuse for poor sportsmanship, right? Especially at an event like that. Right. So I don't know who would take exception to what you said. Uh, you know, uh, you wouldn't want to be taunted if your team, one thing to have good fun and, and you chant, you know, I get it. The kids get wound up, but there's a line you don't cross. And that, the one individual you're speaking about, I think we, you know, we talked about this uh, off the air. You know, I saw him running on the court with that pole with the flag on it, just waving right. it around recklessly. Right. And there's people on the court all over the place. There's not a lot of room. I, I really thought somebody, a matter of fact, I stood up and pointed to him, hoping somebody would do something. The security guard, obviously, that was in charge of keeping an eye on the kids uh, got overwhelmed and they just rushed the court. And it was kind of... Uh, a kind of an unsafe situation there and, and took a lot of us by surprise. And the kid with the banner, that was just over the top. And like I say, he was wow. doing ninja move right in front of me and in, in front of the Pinkerton bench. And it just was uncalled for. Um, I, I will say the other thing that upset me on Sunday, I know the Academy Awards go on and on and on and on. So channel nine wasn't able to get their newscast on until probably around midnight. Um, and the sports reporter, uh, I don't know if he did a report. I, I have to admit, I watched the Academy Awards and that was it. I went to bed. Um, but 
the next day at six o'clock, I'm anticipating that WMUR will have some coverage, at least congratulate the four champions. Nada, nothing. They talked about, and I, I wrote it down. I actually taped it and replayed it. They talked about the Celtics, uh, Stroudmeyer going to Georgia Tech. They talked about the Bruins. They even gave a spring training uh, Red Sox report, but nothing about what went on Sunday. And I thought, you know, what what's going on here? WMUR is New Hampshire's station. We talk about New Hampshire news and, and sports. That should be the lead. And as a matter of fact, I wrote the general manager who years and years ago, Andy Vries, I was your T-ball coach. And I wrote him a note. <laughs> you know, yeah, I did, really. And I said, you know, I don't understand it. Uh, if I want to watch Boston sports coverage, I'll go to CVB, their sister station, Channel 5 in Boston. Uh, I understand you've got to fill time. Sure. So when you don't have anything in New Hampshire going on, fill it up with all that other stuff. But I, I no mention at six o'clock. And I, I I know they start at four. Now, I don't know if Jamie Staten had thrown it in at some point, but I started watching about five thirty and there was nothing between five thirty and six thirty. Nada. So and, and Sunday night, more some more Monday morning, whenever after the Academy Awards, they probably did do something with it. I know the cameraman was there, he was standing beside me taking shots of the games all day so i was upset i have to admit i wish they had had coverage and uh, hopefully they'll they'll rectify that in the future because you know these these kids put it all out there it's their one one shining moment for a lot of them so give it to them give them their due jason tatum and 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 jalen brown and and uh, the bruins they'll they'll, they'll they'll be around for a while <laughs> Well, I'll just throw my two cents in, Sherman. You know how I feel about this, and I agree with you 100%, but I will add that the NHIAA could certainly do a lot more in terms of assisting the media covering the NHIAA. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. You know? Yeah, well, I agree with you there. And I had a, a, a little chat with Jeff Collins, the head of the NHIAA, about how they could have a media area uh, for after the game. That way you get the players and the fans off the court, you know, because they want to, for safety, it's a safety thing. Just like they do with all the major teams. Again, the Boston teams, they all have their little press conference area with their logo behind them with the sports, uh, whoever's sponsoring the sport. So, Not hard to do. Well, sir, I hope that uh, we'll have Sam Bruno with us in our next edition so we can uh, compare notes as far as where the March Madness, uh, how maddening it has become. Uh, <laughs> before we leave today, I just want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Please spread the word. The more listeners, the better. We're available on all the major podcast platforms so spread the word we appreciate it and also remember to subscribe so you get all the latest editions so until next time for roger brown from the union leader new hampshire football report.com and new hampshire hardball.com i'm sherm chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the seaco sports forum podcast